Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You. Or, if you are a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all your friends and family. And if you would like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find me on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. And hello. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you once again on another Thursday night. I'm glad that you've joined me. I hope that everybody can hear me and that the video and audio is uh, working correctly as um, I pray that it does every week. It's been a little bit of an adventure, but it seems everything seems to be working okay. So we'll go ahead and get right started here in just one moment. We'll allow a few more seconds for some of those that come in. If you're joining me and you're joining me live, I always um, love to hear from people that are joining me live. So if you would just drop a comment, say hello, so I know who's all watching. Um, I got my audio recorder going, so that's great. That's going. Producing my own live stream, it's a little bit of a challenge every week, but I actually enjoy it. I look forward to it. I really do. Hey, Brother Jason. Uh, of course, Brother Tom already. I said hello to you, brother. Um, over there on YouTube, it's good to see everybody starting to come in. So if you're watching uh, on Facebook... You can go ahead and give me a comment as well. All right. Well, so we finished the seven churches uh, last week. And uh, once we finish the seven churches, there's, uh, you know, now what? Well, now there's going to be an event that happens. As I gave it away kind of last week, I said, hey, you know, um, it, you know, we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, don't worry. I haven't changed my view on uh, the church and when we are out of here or anything like that. But remember, this book of Revelation, I believe, is to believing Israel, uh, both then, uh, that small group that was maybe still alive back then. Uh, John probably was one of the remaining ones that are that actually was still alive. Uh, much more of them had already been killed. You have to understand when this was done um, on the Isle of Patmos that uh, some say it's roughly around 90 A.D. The, the temple had already been destroyed 20 years or so prior to that in Jerusalem. There have been major upheavals, uh, uh, persecution, and all these other kinds of things, and there wasn't very many left. All the disciples uh, in Jesus' earthly ministry had, had died at that point. Only John, the beloved, remained alive that we know of. And uh, so there was... Not very many people left, if just but a very small few. But we know that these uh, there's there were some obviously in some of those churches there, the seven churches uh, there you know, around uh, uh, Ephesus and different places that we talked about already. And then um, I believe it's for instruction in righteousness for us today. Of course, we can, all the Bible is profitable for for correction, for reproof, for those many other things, as the Bible says. Um, but not for our doctrine. But once again, when somebody may be reading this in the time of Jacob's trouble, it will become doctrinal once again, um, enduring, overcome, hold fast, uh, make sure you you know you do these things that are necessary so that uh, you know you can re get rewards in the millennial kingdom, which is to come. So um, interesting here, we'll start in uh, chapter four. I've titled the uh, the, the broadcast for tonight. Why is John weeping? Uh, there's a very interesting portion of uh, scripture here in chapter five where it talks about I John wept bitterly. Uh, you know, what is that all about? Hi, Sister Susie, over there on YouTube. Uh, what is that all about, Brother Dave? Nice, good to see you over there on Facebook and YouTube as well. But what is John crying about? Uh, what is this weeping bitterly? Uh, we're going to get to that in just one moment. Um, I do. I want to again preference preference uh, this first statement I'm about to make when we start in chapter four here by saying that um, I in no way disparage anybody who has ever used this. I have in the past this this first uh, verse of chapter four as a direct picture of the uh, of the rapture of the church. You know, the catching away of the bride of Christ. 
the body is being removed. Um, and then these things take place hereafter, you know, and okay, that's a pre, they use a term that a lot of people may know, a pre-trib um, verse. I know I don't use this anymore as a proof for that. And the reason why is because the Apostle Paul, all throughout his letters, not just in Thessalonians, um, talks about how we are not subject to wrath. We are not part of this. Don't worry about this. We may see things get really rough. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're going to go through a lot of things. Uh, Foolish of us to think that we don't. However, we are not subject to Daniel's 70th week. And uh, I think that's, you know, I've talked about that multiple times in the past in the studies and different things like that. So I haven't changed my view on that. But what I don't use this verse is to say that this is a reference to the the rapture of the church. What I believe it is, and I'll start right out by saying it, is a reference to prophecy once again. And prophecy from the prophet, priest, and king himself. Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that, and let's look at chapter 4, verse number 1. After this, uh, this is, uh, excuse me, John, the beloved here, is speaking. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, we've talked about the door before. Jesus says um, he's the door, uh, the portal. No one comes into the Father but through him. You know, he is the, he is the shepherd that stands at the, at the portal, the door. Uh, remember, he said he stood at the door and knocked uh, to one of those churches. So a lot of references to the door. But he says, once again, a behold, a door was opened in heaven. So seems that, that there's an entranceway. He sees these things. And the first voice, which I heard, was as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Now, again, this is a verse to use, and we'll see that's the trump, that, you know, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive remain. That's the trumpet. Well, it doesn't say that. It says he heard, um, excuse me, the voice. So as obviously the word speaking to him, Jesus Christ, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Once again, don't try to read into things as it were a trumpet. It didn't say it is a trumpet, okay? Besides all that, look at what the rest of it says. It says uh, with me, which said, verse number one, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. He's going to show him. Now, some people say that this is in a vision because they said immediately I was in the spirit. Verse number two, and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. I don't believe that. Now, you may not, uh, but I believe that John was transported by the one that controls the, uh, all space and time uh, because he created it, Jesus Christ. All things were created by him, and by him all things consist, even time. And I believe that John was transported and physically will see these events take place. Now you say, Brother Mike, now why, where in the world can you get any sort of scriptural basis for that? What is your biblical grounds to stand upon? Uh, are you just making this up? No, I don't think I am. Let's turn in our Bibles. There's three different accounts of when Jesus makes a prophecy. And I've heard all sorts of different uh, views on this prophecy. And people it confuses people quite a bit. Until you understand who Jesus is speaking to in context and who would have been present to hear these things, but one gospel doesn't mention this prophecy. It's the gospel of John. That's fascinating. uh, So turn over very quickly to Matthew chapter 24, verse number 29. Now, people go to Matthew 24. Oh, man, that's that's me. Uh, Matthew 24, that's the church right there, and Jesus is talking to the church, uh, the body of Christ there. Look at him talking to him. But he says Jews, and he talks about the temple, and there's all these other kinds of things that are very remnant-believing Israel-related. But let's look in verse number 39. Oh, excuse me, 29. It says here, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Everybody's seeing this event. Uh, This is the event of Jesus' second coming. 
when he actually comes physically back to earth, not the capturing away of the body of Christ. I digress, let's move on. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, where, where did I go here? Like, uh, let's see, all the way down to verse 35, I'm sorry. And he shall send his, heaven, uh, his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Verse 32, now learn a parable of a fig tree. Hmm. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Uh, hmm. I think John is transported through the doors. Well, that's weird. Maybe it's a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. Verily, verse 34, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, the generation that Jesus is speaking in his earthly ministry, are they alive today? The answer is obviously no. That was 2,000 plus years ago. And people struggle with this prophecy. Jesus Christ, when he says this, when he says in verse number 34, verily or truthfully I say unto you, he's making a prophetic statement. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, Jesus, you, and you know, I'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek here, cheek here. I'm not trying to be blasphemous, but you obviously are a false prophet. You have made a false claim because every single one of those people have been dead for almost 2,000 years. What are you talking about a generation? Normally, generational is around 30 years. You know, there's the millennials, and then there's the Gen Y and Zs, and the, the Generation X, and all these, the generations. It's about a 30-year time period. It's been much more than 30 years, and all these people have passed. Until you read Revelation 4 and verse number 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard at, were at, was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, and which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. It's a time statement. It is a chronological statement where Jesus Christ is saying to John, Hey, John, who was present both in the accounts in Matthew. I'm going to only read the Matthew account, but it's also in Mark chapter 13 verses 24 through 31, and also Luke 21, verses 33, uh, 31 through 33. You can go back and look at those accounts. It's the same account. The disciples are there. John is of that generation, the kingdom generation, by the way. Remember, the kingdom's at hand. He offered it to them. They rejected. The entire nation did. But look at this once again. Chronologically, if you think about it in context, I believe. Now, again, there could be disagreements, and that's fine. But my biblical statement is, is that Jesus Christ is not a false prophet. I will stand on that, okay? He's not a false prophet. So what is he saying there? Now, you can try to spiritualize it, which many do. Uh, they can try to say, well, well, he means the generation that will be going through the time of Jacob's trouble, you know, because that's only a seven-year period, so obviously the 30 years generation, you know, that'll work into there. I don't think so. I think the fulfillment of this prophecy happened roughly around 90 A.D. when John was transported through time. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever talked about it being that, but this is what I believe that it is, is that a fulfillment of prophecy of Jesus Christ saying that this generation will not pass as it says in verse number um, 34, back in Matthew 24, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's a very important verse in verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. He's going to make all things new. These things are not going to be, his words are going to endure, though. All these things will be fulfilled. His words shall not pass away. So when you read Revelation 4 and verse number 1, I no longer look at that as a, wow, look at the rapture of the church there. And, and again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody. 
But in the context of this remnant believing Israel, which John is a part of, he is part of that generation which Jesus gave that prophecy that said that they will see these things. This things will come to pass. All these things will be fulfilled. This generation will be there to see it. This generation won't pass away. Now, if you know the account, uh, you know, I don't know how much of it's tradition, how much is actually history, but John was boiled in oil. It wasn't for lack of trying, I think, that people were trying to kill John. The apostle John, though, miraculously, by the grace of God, survives and gets, uh, it gets put on an island out in the middle of the Mediterranean, and Jesus appears to him and says, hey, John, I'm about ready to fulfill my prophecy. This is using uh, some paraphrasing here. But he says here, I'm going to show you the, the things that are going to happen here, which must be hereafter. I'm going to transport you, John, through time. Now, you transport somebody from the first century, and you're going to get a description of a lot of things in the book of Revelation because... As my brother Jason has said on here before, imagine being in the first century and then seeing things around today. Could you imagine living 150, 160 years ago and seeing, uh, you know, airplanes and <laughs> cars and, you know, all these different kinds of things, like a computer. I'm talking to you and, you know, going over a cellular signal that's going up and streaming into... And as of right now, seamlessly. How was that? Can you imagine seeing those types of things in the first century? Of course not. But John's going to try to best describe what he's seeing. He's writing these things down. And I believe he's transported in time to fulfill Jesus Christ's prophecy in Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Now, let me give me some comments below or you know write to me ltmbiy at yahoo.com if you disagree violently with that or even if you disagree just a little bit but give me some biblical basis why you would disagree i've given you my biblical basis my i guess you would call it a theory a biblical theory that this is a fulfillment as jesus christ said his words are not going to pass away this generation is not going to pass away till they see all these things fulfilled I believe John is of that generation that gets to see it. John will be resurrected at the end of the uh, time of Jacob's trouble at the first resurrection. We'll talk about that here during this broadcast. And he's going to get to see the millennial reign in his new body. We'll get to that in one moment. The next, uh, going back to chapter 4, the next uh, verse 2 through 11 is going to be very similar, and I'm, I'm not for time's sake. I'm not going to go back to the 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 cross reference uh, of what I, I'm going to be speaking about here. But it's uh, if you would write down in your notes Isaiah chapter six. It's one of my favorite passages in Isaiah. But in Isaiah chapter six, it is you can read Isaiah six, and then you can read Revelation chapter four, and the similarities show that uh, John is actually transported, as Isaiah was, to the throne room of heaven and gets to see the king. Yeah. So go do that on your and on a little bit of your own time. We'll save a little bit of time here by not going back to Isaiah 6. But let's read down through here real quick, and we'll make a few little points and then move on to chapter 5 and to see why John is weeping. Verse number 2, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now you say, now see, he was in the spirit. You know what? Your spirit is your mind. I believe he was transported by Jesus Christ, who can do all things. Time doesn't constrain him, and I think he was transported through time. And he that sat, as he sees his throne here, verse 3, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. In sight like unto an emerald, like unto, you're going to see this verbiage used quite a bit. It's given a similitude. He's like, I, the best way I can describe this is it's like an emerald. By the way, a, uh, a rainbow round about the throne. A rainbow was put in the sky as a promise to Noah that this generation, that the earth would never be again destroyed with water, which it won't be. Next time it's through fire, but I digress. 
But uh, a lot of people have tried to corrupt the the image, the symbol of the rainbow, and I think that's on purpose. But that's a biblical thing, and every time you see one in the sky, you can always remember the promise to Noah. Verse number four, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. I used to struggle with this, uh, these tw- uh, 24 elders. Went back and forth whether or not that they, they were body of Christ or believing Israel. I'm firmly in remnant Israel now, but again, there could be disagreements. It's fine. But look at verse, keep reading verse number four. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were many, or excuse me, there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Now, one thing I will point out that a lot of people I've heard said before, that this sea of glass is us, the body of Christ. That, that, that is all these people that are already raptured up there. You know, He's seeing this in time. I don't know what to think about that, but I'm just giving you some what some people have surmised uh, that I've heard before. But anyways, moving on. Uh, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. These are seraphim, as you'll see um, in Isaiah chapter 6. But And in the first beast, and the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Again, trying to describe all this, he's saying it's like, it's as, it's, it's, he's using similitude type language. He's like, look, the best way I can describe it is these. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. See, one covering their eyes, one in their midsection that they flew around, and then uh, one that covered their feet. You'll see that in Isaiah 6. But it says here, and they were full of eyes within, and the rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. By the way, that's another chronological statement. He is, which was and is and is to come, means he's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. He controls it. He created it. It's his. He can do whatever he wants. Another... uh, Another testimony or another uh, key piece of evidence, Your Honor, uh, as I describe how I believe John is transported through time. Okay, but uh, moving on to moving on to the next verse here, and it says here, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, once again, some people say the 24 elders here casting their uh, their crowns before His feet, that proves it's us. Well, not necessarily everybody's going to cast their their crowns at His feet because He's the only one worthy, no matter which... uh, group that you're talking about here for lack of a better term anyways but created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created verse number one of chapter five and i saw on the right hand of him and this is going to be the the what we're going to concentrate on for the rest of this chapter the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals now what type of book is written on the you know the front and the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, you can think about this, well, you know, my Bible is, right? You know, there's front and back, but it's one single book. You know, I think this is a scroll. Maybe it's not. I've heard this compared to a lot of things, by the way. Uh, You know, the seven seals that are on there, that's why I'll show you this to see if I can get it right here in the camera. That's why there's seven seals, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the back of your Bible. Some say that I think it's just a binding thing, but you know, there's the seven seals on the book. Well, you can open this book and you should. I encourage you to open it and read it, okay? As you'll see in a moment, no man anywhere could open this book. Okay, so whether that's comparison, you know, it's it's a it's it's fun to talk about being that way, but I don't think this is a, the Bible, the word of God. But it is something else, as we'll speak about in just one second. 
And I saw a uh, strong angel, verse number two, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Well, I can open up my Bible, so it's not the Bible. Even though that's the word of God, it's precious, it's preserved. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth. So when you see that, you know, whether they be buried, they got their new glorified body, they're on the earth still. It didn't matter where they were. Neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now, that's interesting. What could this be? Well, John apparently knows what it is because he seems very distraught over this information. And I wept much. This is John speaking. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Well, John, you don't even know what's in that book. Ah, but I think he does know what's in that book. I think he knows what the seven seals are are containing in the information, that they can't be broken. If you can't do that, what else in the world could possibly... Oh, wait a minute. How about a contract? How about a covenant? How about something of a promise that was made to a nation? Turn over really quick to Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 18. All the way back to Genesis 15 and verse number 18. God is speaking to Abram here. Haven't even changed his name yet. It says here, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, you think about the Nile all the way to the Euphrates River and north and south of that and all this of that land that's in between that. Uh, it's quite a big uh, property. Uh, but that also contains, oh, the promised land. Now, the Jews, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, moved in. They, they went into the promised land under Moses. Nope, it wasn't under Moses. It was under Joshua. And then they crossed over the Jordan on the east side of uh, the Jordan River. They were already in their property, so to speak, because the Euphrates is a lot further east than that. Well, they got all this land, but have they ever possessed it? The answer is no. They have never possessed it. Now, you can say, well, well Brother Mike, in 1948, the nation of Israel became came about. Folks, I don't care what kind of treaty was signed and... Uh, between the British and all the historical things that go along with that. Uh, first of all, that strip of land is very small. It's also highly contested uh, in the, the in that area. And if you even said the Golan Heights down to um, the Nile, that's nowhere near what they've been promised. And they don't possess it all the way down to the Nile either. So they don't possess the land and never have. So as a good Jew, as a good nation of Israel, as a Israelite, John would be like, hmm, I think I know what's in that that's, that covenant, that sealed, that land deed, that title deed. Uh, what do you mean nobody can open it? It's been promised to us. What's going to happen? And he starts to weep. But notice what's happening here. The one that has the keys, as we saw in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, remember that, is going to come around. <laughs> and one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now that's starting to get real Israeli here, Israelite. This is nation of Israel stuff here. Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a tribe of Israel. That's a son of Israel, Judah. The root of David. Once again, the King David, the, the revered king of the, the Israelites, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Don't worry, John. You're going to get the land. You're going to possess that land. You're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. You're going to be a priest within this millennial kingdom. Huh. Well, how do you know that? Well, keep reading. And, be, and I beheld, and lo, verse number six, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. 
as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Hmm. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps. Hmm. David played a harp. It's a symbol of uh, the nation, you know. The king played the harp, you know. And golden vials full of odors. Where, where would you see vials full of odors? Well, that's going to be the things that are being offered at the altar, the incense, the prayers of the saints. Oh, what? Yeah, which are the prayers of the saints. Hmm. Gives it away right there. And they sung a new song, a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Now here's where somebody says, well, see, this is the church here because it's, it's everybody. But notice once again, it says out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. In the body of Christ, Paul says there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there's only the body of Christ. There is no nationality other than you are in Christ. There is no nationhood. There is no separation of nations. There's not even separation, even though there is a difference, obviously, in, in nations or in, in, in different types of ethnicities and so forth like that. And there's obviously differences between men and women. But in Christ, there is no difference. That's multiple times in the Pauline epistles. But it seems like that every nation and kindred and tongue that used to have to come through the nation of Israel, which they had to do, they had to come through nation uh, of Israel to, in order for salvation. They had to come through there. Jehovah had to be their God. They had to uh, be circumcised in the flesh. There was a lot of things that showed their their it, what happened on the inward, that they were believing Israel at that point. And then they get all these things. Then they have to do all these things in order to be a part of that nation. But they come from everywhere. Where else would the, all the nations under, under heaven be gathered? Oh, wait a minute, at the day of Pentecost. Huh. Verse number 10, And hast made us unto our God kings, that's rulers, little kings, you know, little K, kings, and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now that's Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6. We already heard people talking about this, right? Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto our God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion. Okay, there's some, they're already talking about it. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, you go all the way back there. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's what the resurrection I believe the disciples and John will be a part of. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. See, they're kings and priests. Now, Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 24. There's kings again. And the 12 gates, or excuse me, verse 24, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. These are the kings on the earth after the new earth is made. That's fascinating. Who are these kings? Who are these priests? Turn over to Exodus chapter 19. Once again, a fulfillment of prophecy by God himself. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 6. Excuse me, Exodus. I said Revelation, Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 6. Oh, pages are stuck together here. There it goes. All right, and ye, this is uh, God speaking to the nation and ye shall be unto me a kingdom, kingdom, rulers of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. You have not been promised to be a priest in that aspect. We have access through God. Through God, we have access to him. And there's a lot of language that are found in the book of Hebrews that people try to say, well, see, that's us. No. That's the Hebrews, remnant believing Israelites that would be believing that Jesus who was who he said he was, which was the Messiah, believing Israel. 
now under the revelation of the mystery revealed, now there is no Jew or, or Gentile. But once again, in the time of Jacob's trouble, when that dispensation will restart that program, guess what? There's going to be believing Israel. And if they're not, they're going to get cast into outer darkness. We'll see this, this judgment of the sheep and goats as we, go, as we go along here. But what will they do in this millennial kingdom? We've already read it. They're going to be kings and priests. Believing Israel. So I did a whole millennial reign series on this, but this, as we go through this, you got to see this in the context. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth, is speaking specifically about a group of individuals that are not you and I. Now, does that mean that salvation is done by works or something like that, or try to get, no, folks, salvation is only and ever will be only through Jesus Christ period. Believing on what he said to do when he said to do it is where where the, the faith comes in. You gotta, you gotta have faith. And in this dispensation, now for us, you believe in him, you're trusting in what he did for you, the death, burial, and resurrection. We take part in what's called the the capturing of the uh, of the of the body of Christ. You know, the the, the dead in Christ shall rise first resurrection, if you want to get a label for it. I got a study about the three resurrections and the, and the three judgments that follow with the three rewards, if you want to go look at that. But this nation, this prophecy that, that I make you a nation, a kingdom of priests, tells me that that's what these individuals are waiting on. Verse number 11. So you see why John was so was so weeping. That's why John was crying. He thought that this prophecy is not going to come to pass. Nobody's able to open this. Nobody. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain, the one that you believed was who he said he was. He is worthy to open the books. And that's why when somebody says to you, well, we'll go through a majority or a somewhat portion of the, of the time of Jacob's trouble or Daniel's 70th week, we're going to go right around here. You know the, automatically that they have things completely out of context. And that's okay. Have patience. Teach the word, though, and you have to come to the realization, I think, biblically, that this time period is not for you and I. That's why we have hope. That's why we have the blessed hope. That's why we can have joy unspeakable because we won't take part in this wrath that is to follow. And only, I don't care if you talk about conspiracy theories of, of men and, and uh, evil men are always going to be there and always have been there and are going to do evil things because the earth is evil continually. But no one is going to open up the first seal as we'll see next week in chapter six, but the lamb. God is the one that opens the seal, which is the Antichrist. You may be able to have a good idea that it's coming. We, we're not blind. We can see that the earth is waxing worse and worse. We can see there's falling away. We can see all these things, but guess what? You're not going to be under this program of the Antichrist. You're not going to be under this subjection of wrath that is going to be poured out, not by man, because no man in heaven or earth, nowhere ever can a man open up these seals. But Jesus does, and he's not going to beat his body. His body was broken once for us already. We are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, just as it shows the picture of the, of the marriage. We are one with him. And the wrath that was poured out upon him on the cross, as our, as it says in, uh, in in Ephesians, I believe, that our ordinances, everything that was against us now as the body of Christ, when we get saved, when we become new creatures in him, your ordinances, your sins are placed upon him on the cross. That's another chronological miracle because it's just as if that your sins are transported 2,000 years ago and placed upon him. He's already suffered the wrath. This is not the program for you and I. But it is a program in which John knew full well that if nobody could open these books, they're not going to get this prophecy fulfilled. The one that Jehovah God gave himself to Abram. But don't worry. 
the elder comes up to him and says, John, worthy is the lamb. Don't weep. This title deed, this covenant, this granting to you to be priests and kings and be rulers and reigning and this land that's going to be given to you, that's going to come. You're going to see it, John, because you're about ready to, to witness it. Look as he, the, the king of kings, the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is going to prevail, and he's going to open that book. Verse number 11, we'll read again. And I behold and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. It's an innumerable number, even though you could do the math if you wanted to. I think it's just him just guessing because it's just innumerable, innumerable to him. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature, look at this, which is in heaven, so they're already died, and on the earth. See, he's going to be seeing people walking the earth. There's still going to be remnant Remnant believers that are going to make it through this time of Jacob's trouble, this Daniel's 70th week. And under the earth, there's going to be some that get beheaded for the cause of Christ that, that are dead. It doesn't matter where they are at. And such are as in the sea, as we'll go to the first resurrection in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 4 through 6. We've already read that. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessed, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So why was John weeping? Well, he thought prophecy and covenants and things like that wouldn't come about. He thought that, hmm, nobody's been worthy to do this. I, John, I'm going to weep bitterly here. I wept much. But don't worry. He's going to see these things come to pass, as I said. I believe it's a fulfillment at the beginning of the chapter 4 of prophecy. Jesus said, hey, this generation is not going to pass until they see all these things fulfilled. Hey, John, you know, I wish, you know, if you could just see it, you know, and, and uh, you know, obviously Jesus doesn't, isn't constrained by time. He knows all. He's God manifest in flesh. And he sits there and thinks to himself again, hey, I can't wait you know, when you're on this island, and I'm going to show you these things that will be hereafter. It's just interesting to me. It's just fascinating to me to think about. And then the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus himself, as God talks to Abram and says, look, Abram, I'm going to make you a nation, a kingdom of priests, or I'm going to give you all this land. And then later the prophecy given to Moses that you're going to be a kingdom of priests. All these things are starting to come be fulfilled in front of John's eyes as we continue to study the rest of the book of Revelation. As the revelation of Jesus Christ is going to be shown through this over and over and over again that Jesus Christ who was and is who he said he was and is. And those that are going through this time of Jacob's trouble, this Daniel's 70th week, that's been the wrath that's about to be poured out, this seal, that first seal is going to be broken, that they're going to have to just, they're going to go through it all. They need to endure to the end. They need to believe him, believe this gospel that these two witnesses are going to be preaching, that the 144,000 of, you know, 12,000 of the 12 tribes, uh, each of the 12 tribes of Israel, that are going to be preaching the everlasting gospel and all these things are going to be happening and all these wild things that John's going to witness is so that they can believe. Now you think to yourself, well, where have I seen this before? And I'm going to leave you with this. I talked to my, uh, my brother Aaron uh, just today on the phone about this. Um, I think it's in, well, just give me just one moment here. It's in the book of Romans. Uh, let's see here. Book of Romans. I can look it up in my handy dandy here. Just bear with me one second here. 
Mm-hmm. What is this period of time for? What is this period of time for? Well, and who's it for? Let's see here, down in uh, verse number 27. Yes, chapter 9. Okay. Romans chapter 9, verse number 27. And now, earlier in the chapter, he talks about just because somebody says they're of Israel doesn't mean they are of Israel. They need to be believing Israel. Just because they're Jews by, by flesh doesn't mean that they're uh, of Israel, believing Israel, remnant Israel. Look at verse number 27 of chapter 9. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, Through the number of the children of Israel be as sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. A remnant shall be saved, huh? Look in um, Romans chapter 11, and this is the verse I wanted to get to. This remnant, who is this speaking about here? Romans chapter 11, verse number 26. And you see this thing here, the fullness of the Gentiles become in. All these things, blindness is happening in part until they believe finally the entire nation that of believing Israel the ones that are going to believe him, the fullness of the Gentiles, verse number 25, be come in at the end of this time of Jacob's trouble. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. You can look in Acts chapter three about that. The times of refreshing are coming. Acts chapter 3, the, the end of all things here. Uh, hey, now he's going to rule and reign. Now this covenant that he made unto them, all Israel. And some people say, well, does that mean everybody in Israel is going to get saved? All believing Israel, that's who's going to rule and reign with him. Yes. So all Israel shall be saved. The nation shall be saved when they finally look upon him whom they have pierced. And he comes back to literally rescue them. But this entire time period of revelation that we'll see all the way up until chapter 19 and 20, this entire period of all the things that are going to be discussed has to do with remnant Israel. Don't try to place yourself anywhere in any time period in this, in this time period, in this book of Revelation. It's not for us. And I've made that point before, and I'll keep making it. But uh, this, this, when is this, rev, this resurrection, this first resurrection going to take place? All the creatures that, 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 are, that have gone on before have died, these believing Israel, this, these saints that have gone on before, the ones that are persecuted and had their heads cut off in the time of Jacob's trouble, this Daniel 70th week, they will be resurrected as what's called the first resurrection in Revelation chapter 20. And then the fulfillment of this covenant. John's going to see it all. Look at all this prophecy being fulfilled just in these two chapters here. So John, why was John weeping? Well, he thought that uh, nobody was worthy. <laughs> I'm glad the elder says, hey, wait, wait. See, all the tears are dried up here pretty quickly. He gets to see that worthy is the lamb that was slain. And he's going to produce his covenant that he made. He's not slack concerning his promises. He's going to fulfill them. And John's going to witness it because he's transported through time, I believe. All right, well, that's it for tonight. Uh, so we'll get into the first seal being opened and all that kind of stuff, all the fascinating things that people like to talk about, you know. Uh, we'll get to see this first century believer transported through time to see all these things and uh, see his descriptions of it as the Spirit gives them utterance, you know, it, it, this is all inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's w witnessing these things the, as they take place, I believe. So he's going to describe it the best way he can. And some things are not even going to be allowed to write down. That's also, that's also fascinating. We'll see that too. All right. Well, I hope that helped out. I hope that was uh, interesting to you. It was fascinating. It was fun to, the as I was researching and reading through and um you know studying through not just this week but for many many years that i've been studying through this stuff uh, but just can get in kind of confirmation 
that I, I do believe biblically that this is a transportation to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus Christ saying, hey, this, this generation will not pass away till they see these things fulfilled. There's John of that generation getting to see these things fulfilled. So <laughs> great stuff. All right. Well, let's go to see if we have any comments. If you have any comments and you don't think of them right now, you can always leave them in, on the video. Those also, that helps drive the algorithm. Uh, also, please remember to share, like, share, subscribe. Um, make sure you share this as many places as you can. Um, good night to you, Brother Tom. Um, share this as many places as you can with as many people as you can by word of mouth. I appreciate it. You can always write a comment there or a question uh, there, but probably the fastest way would be to reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com, and I'll try to get back to you as soon as I possibly can for any questions. Or you can just leave a comment or uh, you know some um, encouragement. Or, like I said, if you want to disagree biblically, oh, man, I love that. All right, thanks so much, Brother Mike. Very fascinating. Oh, well, praise the Lord, Sister Susie. Thank you for watching. Uh, Brother Dave said over there on Facebook, worthy is the lamb. Yeah, I can hear you saying that right now. He is worthy. All right, well, I think that's about all the comments. Hey, Brother Ken. Amen. Good stuff, brother. Well, when you, when you rightly divide according to prophecy, it's uh, all good. Every time we open up this book, so... Even though it has seven seals on it, you know, <laughs> I can open it up. I'm thankful for that. And he gives me, he has this, I have the spirit, which teaches me all things. And, and I can get this confirmation through the other, others in the body of Christ that can bounce these ideas off of. Keep me in check, though. Make sure it's biblical. Please do that. All right. Brother Dave says great stuff. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Brother Dave. Thank you for joining me again. I think we'll just go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you for joining me again here in the RV. <laughs> and uh, the studio, it, everything, praise the Lord, absolutely worked. I didn't drop one single frame, it looks like. Everything worked perfectly tonight, I think, with the uh, Internet. Praise God for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Anyways, um, all right, like I said, share. And uh, I'll see you next week. And uh, like I said, if you have any questions, please, please. Always ask. I love questions. So once again, from the D'Angelo household, uh, the studio of the of the of the house in the kitchen slash living room slash dining room. Um, I'm so thankful for this. By the way, I, I I'm not talking about it disparagingly. Trust me, um, the Lord's been good, and uh, this is our exit vehicle from this current life back up to uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I can't wait for that. But um, all right, that's it. I'm just rambling now. Love you, the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for joining me here on Let This Mind Be In You. And I'll see you next week, Lord willing. Bye for now.